Sefer Bereshit, Parshat Vayigash, on heroism and self-sacrifice. At the start of Parshat Vayigash, Yosef, an assistant to Paro, still has not revealed his identity to his 11 brothers, who many years ago captured and sold him. And at the conclusion of our previous Parsha, Yosef frames his youngest brother, Benjamin, for stealing his silver goblet and says that Benjamin must become his slave. Now Yehuda, distressed for Benjamin's well-being and about the promise he made to their father, Yaakov, that he would keep Benjamin safe, steps forward to plead Benjamin's case. In a long monologue, Yehuda explains that Yaakov had told him as you know, my wife bore me two sons, but one, Yosef, is gone from me. And I said, alas, he was torn by a beast, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and he meets with disaster, you will send my white head down to Sheol, the underworld, in sorrow. Yehuda concludes by, in an act of self-sacrifice, offering himself to Joseph in Benjamin's place. Please, let your servant remain as a slave to my Lord instead of the boy, and let the boy go back with his brothers, Yehuda says. For how can I go back to my father unless the boy is with me? Let me not be witness to the woe that would overtake my father. All of this, hearing for the first time that his father is devastated and believes he's dead, as well as about the family's love for his brother Benjamin, overwhelms Joseph. Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, the Torah says. And he cried out, have everyone withdraw from me. This is a salient moment because Joseph loves Benjamin uniquely. He is his only full brother. Moreover, Joseph knows that their father too is particularly protective of Benjamin because Benjamin, like Joseph, is a son of his favorite wife, Rachel, who died giving birth to him. Joseph's sobs were so loud that the Egyptians could hear. And so the news reached Paro's palace, it says in the Parsha. Only now, is Joseph finally ready to reunite with his family? I am Joseph, he says to them. Is my father still alive? Come forward to me, he tells his brothers, who are too shocked to speak. I am your brother, Joseph, he whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed or reproach yourselves, because you sold me hither. It was to save life from the famine that God sent me ahead of you. In this story, we can read the display of responsibility, leadership, and heroism by Yehuda of offering himself to protect his brother as the action that opens Joseph's heart and allows the family to be right reconstituted. Rather than being an incomplete collective, the group can be unified to form what will become the Israelite nation. I believe Yehuda's actions here 
are ones we are supposed to replicate. As much of the end of the book of Genesis is spent establishing Judah and his descendant tribe as the leader of Israel. The name of the Jewish people, Yehudim, even ultimately derives from Judah, a name that connotes giving thanks. <clears throat> Judah became synonymous with the entire Israelite people because after 10 tribes of the northern kingdom were exiled in the 8th century BCE, the kingdom of Judah was the entire territory that was left. The tribe of Judah produces King David, David Melech, as well as all future kings of Israel, including the Messiah, who is expected to lead the world to a state of peace. Many people think of leadership as simply taking glamorous and highly visible positions, such as running for office or being the face of a movement. But Judah, we see, demonstrates that leadership before those things requires doing the often unpleasant work of putting the community ahead of oneself, doing what is right rather than what is popular, and stepping up when no one else is willing to. Being a hero at times is not about glamour, but about self-negation. We can revere the example of Roe Klein, the IDF soldier who in 2006 threw himself on a grenade while saying Shema Yisrael in order to save those around him. So many heroes throughout history had the moral clarity to sacrifice for the well-being of the collective. Judah, in our story, had no reason to expect anything other than a terrible fate as a slave in the place of an accused thief. He had no idea that he was speaking to Joseph, his long-lost brother, who was going to redeem him. Judah, by making himself vulnerable to such a fate, was really setting the tone for the Jewish martyrs who would come and go over the millennia. But what, practically, can we do with this wisdom? Martyrdom is seldom planned, and we're not morally obligated to be martyrs. In fact, we have the right and maybe even duty to save our own lives in almost all situations. Nonetheless, we can see the heroism in those who choose to go beyond our basic duties, and we can strive to emulate their example in large ways and in small ones. For example, physically, we can make small but profoundly impactful sacrifices for others by volunteering our time or by donating our blood or organs. Emotionally, we might take the lead by putting ourselves on the line, by being willing to embrace alienation for taking unpopular stands for justice. Financially, we might consider foregoing some of the luxuries we desire in order to direct our resources toward a greater cause. The Torah call here is not that we suffer and make our lives worse. Rather, we can follow in the footsteps of Judah by finding opportunities to redeem others from senseless situations when we have the power to do so. Heroism, we learn, is rooted not in how much we give up, 
but in what noble causes we're willing to invest, indeed risk ourselves for. Shabbat Shalom.